Hi, everyone. This is Ashley Menzies Babatunde, and we are back for another episode of No Straight Path, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned. And I am doing a solo episode today. I am just so happy about the positive response to the first episodes with Michelle Odemagay, my good friend, CEO of Anet. Michelle brought the energy, the authenticity, vulnerability, wisdom, and the humor. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, I highly recommend that you go and take a listen because there's just so many lessons to unpack and we're going to do a little bit of that here. I am still experimenting with the format of the show, but I plan to do interviews and then unpack the highlights and lessons learned in shorter solo episodes like this one. So let's get to it. I want to start with a clip from episode one that just really resonated with me. Let's take a listen. I felt very early on that I had to prove that I was worthy of the spaces I was in. Because also growing up in a Texas town also meant that I heard a lot of like microaggressions, direct aggressions, students saying things like, oh, well, Michelle, you know, affirmative action. And affirmative action, first of all, doesn't exist in high school, but continually because of my racial identity, feeling invalidated in spaces and feeling like erased or invisibilized. Oh, yeah. So I just, I felt this, I felt this one so much. This is something that many Black women have to deal with, especially as they enter predominantly white prestigious spaces And we're seeing it now with the confirmation hearings and media coverage surrounding Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson. First off, I want to highlight that this is just historic. This is a historic moment. Having a Black woman on the Supreme Court would be so affirming and a step in the right direction. Like, I am excited. Black female attorneys everywhere are excited. Everyone should be excited. And Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson has such an impressive record, and she really seems like a wonderful human. I mean, I'm not sure if you saw it, but her best friend, Professor Lisa Fairfax, gave this beautiful speech. And to hear about the lovely friendship between two Black women at a Supreme Court justice confirmation hearing is unprecedented. Like, gave me so much joy. So definitely YouTube it if you haven't seen it, because it's worth a watch. With that said... There's certainly been some unfair treatment of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, although she is clearly, clearly, you could also look that up, qualified to be a justice on the Supreme Court, people will doubt her. The commentator that raised her LSAT score is one example of this doubt, which clearly has racist undertones. That doubt often makes Black women feel like they have to prove themselves. The way Michelle felt like she had to prove herself, and the way I felt during certain parts of my academic journey. I want to share a story because I think the mindset that Black women have to prove that they are worthy to occupy the spaces they enter is detrimental to Black women's well-being. It's really time to change the narrative. And it's just so crazy because I didn't grow up feeling like this. I internalized it as I moved through this world. Like my parents, they were very supportive. I'm not sure if you were able to check out the trailer. Also give that a listen if you haven't. But I wrote a letter to myself at the age of 10 saying that I wanted to go to Stanford and Harvard. And when I told my mom, she said, well, that's great, sweetie. But you know you're going to have to work really hard to get into those schools. Those are top schools. They're hard to get into. And I said, I know. I can do it. 
I don't remember this, but according to my mom, I was confident, you know, matter of fact about it. And she believed in me. Dad believed in me. My whole family believed in me. Yet those microaggressions and comments can chip away at this confidence over the years. So let's go back to 2014. When I got into Harvard for Law School, I shared the great news with one of my white male mentors. I remember I rushed into his office with excitement and told him that I had gotten into his alma mater. And I was expecting a shared excitement and enthusiasm. But he calmly said, that's great. And then he said, you know, you should consider other schools. Sometimes the top school isn't the best school for you. I'm reading this Malcolm Gladwell book, and it talks about underdogs. Sometimes African-Americans perform better at schools where they can be at the top of their class. Just think about it. Would you rather be at the top of your class at UCLA or the bottom 10% of your class at Harvard? Yes, he said that. Quick disclaimer, I still consider this person a mentor, and I think this was a teachable moment for him. But at the time, I remember feeling shocked and defeated. I almost cried, and I remember shaking. This comment shook me literally and figuratively. First off, the logic was off. Being at the top of your class at any law school, especially a great school like UCLA, is really tough. (laughs) It is competitive, and there's no guarantee I would have been in the top 10% if I would have gone there. Also, in retrospect, the bottom 10% at Harvard Law isn't a bad thing. Those people are fine. The degree goes a long way. But more importantly, it felt like my mentor didn't believe in me. After working so hard to get into law school, which, I mean, if you listen to the last episode, I've been working really hard since the second grade, like crying over math problems. That's problematic. But working really hard for a really long time and finally fighting off this imposter syndrome. But I allowed his words to negatively affect me, and I had to prove myself. So I did. I worked so hard my first year of law school, I developed unhealthy habits and didn't sleep much. I needed to prove that I was worthy of that space. After I received my grades, I was pleasantly surprised. I did well, and I had a number of firms to choose from. I thought about sending my transcript to my mentor or alluding to my grades in an email update at some point. I wanted to say, look at this. You were wrong. I deserve to be here. But I later realized that accomplishing goals just to prove to others that I am worthy of occupying an elite space left me feeling empty. So empty, like for what? (laughs) Black women shouldn't have to prove anything. And this extends to anyone that falls under an other category. So if you made it into a certain school, job, or other institution, you deserve to be there. And if you're not in the other category, but you just also feel like you have to prove something to other people, I think you'll still feel empty, or at least the satisfaction is fleeting after accomplishing your goals. I think we need to release ourselves of this, because if you release yourself of proving your worth to others and focus on work that aligns with your purpose or accomplish goals that you want to prove to yourself, it's just more rewarding and fulfilling. It has to come from within. Now, I know this 
is easier said than done because we all care about what other people think to a certain extent, which is completely fine. We're all human. It's okay to care about how you're perceived in this world, but external perception and validation should not be the driving factor. Guys, I'm telling you, (laughs) take my current situation. I'm still at a predominantly white elite institution, just a law firm instead of a law school, but I don't do my work to prove to others that I'm worthy to be there. I know I'm supposed to be there because I am there. (laughs) I work hard and aim to build my skills because the client is paying for a service and I'm providing the service, you know, capitalism. And I want to do well because I am working on a team. I like collaborating, pulling my weight. And when we all work together as a team, it makes the experience more enjoyable. I'm also internally motivated to do well because the job is just more fun when you know what you're doing. This approach has allowed me to grow because I'm no longer worried about being perfect and proving myself. I ask questions, I stay curious, and I'm no longer afraid of failing. So friends, the lesson here is let go of feeling like you have to prove yourself to others. It will change your life. Now, let us hope that by the time this episode airs, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson is now Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, the first Black woman on the Supreme Court of the United States, because she deserves to be there. All right, we're going to take a little break and get back to some more lessons learned. I want to play now a second clip from this one's from episode two with Michelle Odemigay's interview. And let's take a listen. This one was a great one as well. But I'm committed to the problem I want to solve in this world. And like, I want to put my energy and life behind contributing to that. For some people, that's full time. So some people, hobby, whatever. Find like, what do you want your footprint to be? Yeah. So this one was just really inspiring. I love how Michelle talked about finding the problem you want to solve. I'll admit that I'm still figuring this out, but I'm starting to see a theme. People often say, What's that thing that keeps you up at night? While I love my sleep, my husband can attest to this. Like I need my sleep, guys. Need it, need it all the time. Um, It's usually like human-centered work. Now, I know that sounds broad because it is, but it's also just true. I'm one of those people that likes to be self-aware. I do all of those personality tests. I'm an ESFJ, if you're wondering. I've taken all the tests and all the things to really understand who I am and what my purpose is in this life. And one thing I've been doing lately is paying attention to the things that light me up. So sometimes other people will point it out to you. After talking about my blog where I share personal stories, a friend said, you're lighting up. I thought, okay, take note of that. I do love hearing that my story resonated with someone and that it helped someone. Those moments stick with me. And after getting off a leadership committee call at my firm, my husband told me that I was lighting up. He said, you love this work. I thought, wow, I guess advocating for diversity and well-being initiatives lights me up. (laughs) And after every podcast interview, When I get to dig into human stories, I light up. Now, I didn't need anyone to tell me this one because I just, I just love it. So much fun. And after mentoring a junior attorney, 
for helping a Black woman apply to law school, I light up. And when I have long philosophical conversations about how we can create a culture that puts people before products, I light up. I was recently looking up articles about how corporations transition to valuing shareholders over employees. Like, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Can I do anything about it? I'm not sure, but I'm going to try. Stay tuned for a separate podcast on this at some point, because I definitely want to dig into this. But as you can see, overall, I care about inspiring people through stories, supporting people in their careers and in the workplace, and thinking about ways to create a people over products culture, despite capitalist constraints. That's all I've got right now. But having this self-awareness feels really good. One other thing I wanted to point out from Michelle's point is that I like that she said that dedicating yourself to a problem you want to solve does not have to be your full-time job. For many people, it can't be because of financial responsibilities. But you can still build in time to do this work. It's honestly where I am with my career right now. Does being a white-collar attorney screen human-centered work? Uh, You know, not really. (laughs) But there are some tangential components when it comes to advising companies on ethics and risk, which might be a whole nother podcast episode. But I'm also still able to do human-centered work at my job outside of the white-collar work I do, which is really fulfilling. My week is filled with a mix of leadership meetings, diversity, equity, and inclusion meetings, mentoring, and pro bono work. I don't know where this human-centered theme is going to take me, but I am just excited about the journey. I'm so happy to have all of you on this journey with me. And, you know, I think we're going to wrap it up. There are a lot of points that Michelle had to say. So go back to the episodes to listen. But just remember to subscribe, follow, No Straight Path, and leave a review if you like the show. Super excited. Has some great things coming up with the HubSpot Creators Program. So look out for that and have a wonderful week.